if Murray had supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> America's first. Blah blah blah. Blah blah blah. Sending out good vibes. Blah blah blah. Good vibes. Blah blah blah. Good vibes. Good vibes. Good vibes. Underneath breaths of deep gratitude and prayers for guidance and protection, and put on a didgeridoo and shamanic drumming track, shivers or vibrations and stuff like that. They're still aware of their physical body and can function in their physical body, but they're simultaneously aware of their being as being infinite and that they're infinitely joyful. Okay, guys, welcome back to the America Show. A little pre-recorded action for you because Graham's out of town again. We are going to be talking to Joseph Selby a little bit later. Um, a little science and spirituality action. <laughs> it's his book, Break Through the Limits of the Brain, Neuroscience, Inspiration, and Practices to Transform Your Life. It's pretty cool. It was, a it was fun. A fantastic book, actually. I like those, like, fringe science it? and neuroscience. I read the whole book. Yeah, it was good. Is it on audio? Uh, no, I listened to it on my PDF reader. Oh my God. His other one was on audio. So I was like emailing the PR agent. I'm like, are you sure his, his new one's not going to come out yet? Cause the other day it happened where I looked and it can't, it just come out. His audio book just came out. I'm like, yes, I can listen to the book. How much better is that? What is it? Voice stream? Voice stream is the one I use. Yeah. It's pretty good. Actually. It's not bad. I, cause I can really speed it up if I want to. And oh, I, I try not to that. listen to it too much. Cause I don't want it to. It, affect my narration that skills. reminds me you guys what and you're talking into the telegram ah that is no. fucking not what it's no, for dude, dude it's becoming no, no. It, it very much no. more efficient no it's not it, more efficient they, no, no, you know no, no, how no, no, it's no, because yes, i'm it not listening to a single one not Why one not? because it goes through them all no, in order no you don't even no. you can just play the first one it goes through them all in order so you listen i'm to listening to music dude Maybe I'm listening yeah, to music. Why would you do? Why would you want to read it instead of listening to because it? Because I, I can read it. faster. I don't. Be, why would you want to listen to someone talk? Because when you I could can just, just read do it. everything else the whole time, and it goes through them all in order. You could just read it in order. No, no, you can't. It's it's because it's just you get more information more efficiently, more effectively. No, no. yes, you no, do. No, dude. Dude. I can't believe you're even arguing this. <laughs> I dude, dude, I got off of Voxer because the Snake Bros are doing that all the time. Off I, of what? Voxer, because they had this What's stupid Voxer. Voxer. It's a stupid walkie-talkie app, and I'm just like, oh my god, this is ridiculous. Because <laughs> I'd go in there and there'd be a bunch of messages, but instead of like being able to just read them in five seconds, it's next guy, and it's ridiculous. And now you guys are doing it in Telegram, and I'm not okay with it. I, well, I think you have to just open no, up your mind no, to the efficiency no, of it and no. the effectiveness. Because the other day I was in the kitchen and I and I was missing a whole bunch of messages because I was two hours on the show and I missed it. I was like, oh boy, I missed a bunch. So I just pressed play on the one and it just went through them all in normal. I just listened to everybody and got a full update on what's going Except on. Except what, you missed minutes. all the texts in between there? Yeah, I went back through and read all the texts. <laughs> oh, yeah. so you did it <laughs> twice anyway. <laughs> well, no, that was pretty easy because most of them are just voices. There's a couple little texts in there. 
It's not right. So I mean, I wish they would remove that feature. No, it's it's a good feature. It's it's being it was being used in all those other apps too, right? I know. I don't like it. Yeah. Well, I don't know. It's just it's the way to do it. I don't agree. I feel like I want it in writing. Russ from the Snake Brothers constantly did that to me. It took me a while to get used to it. I gotta say, because I'm like, oh, he's left me another voice thing, and then I text him something, and he didn't voice me back. I'm like, I just want to do a quick text. Right yeah, now. Wasn't that easy for you to read that, Russ? Can't you just type back. It's probably because he's driving. Yeah, that's the thing, right? It's easier to just press record, and you don't have to look down. You can just talk uh, in it while you're doing stuff. So. Mm-mm. You got to open up to the effectiveness of it. No, dude, this is the same as your little let's lose words effectiveness. Remember when you're trying to sell me on how can be? Well, it worked. You now my it. kids talk you're like working, that. You're working at some, I know. Well, now the kids talk like this. The English language does have lots of wasted words. I wish there was more words to describe consciousness and the stuff that Joseph Selby talks about. We can't even articulate ancient wisdom, but there's a bunch of useless words in there. Like what? Of the, of the, you're calling yeah. conjunctors useless. Yeah, sometimes it's just well, how can it be? Well, why, sometimes why have you it, can't it, drop it, it. Just how can be? What's wrong with how can it be instead of how can it be? How can be? Like it doesn't. You don't need it there. What about uh, what did it do today? What did do today? It doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't matter, right? I go. I go to my sister. Like how doing? Like, doesn't Do you talk like that? How do No, I usually just text. Not... Give us some more examples. No. 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 <laughs> you could just read some of your texts. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyways, you... let's talk about you and your Facebook jail. What do you mean? Well, you're in jail, Facebook, four days. Oh, you're four excited more days. to get out of jail four, four more days. days. Four more so you days. Can just get put, you, are, you, are you not worried about getting kicked off completely? Oh, well. Are you a meme lordess? Meme lordess? Worried. I don't worry about that kind of stuff. It's bound to happen. Not worried, but I mean, I don't mean worried like you're Honestly, worried about it. Honestly, I'll spend less time on this fucking phone. So you're just trying to get kicked off then? I wouldn't say I'm trying that's to what get people, kicked That's off. what people were accusing you of when you would step on my toes on our Instagram account and post those dank memes on Instagram before you started up your own because people were like, oh, he's just trying to get canceled. So I'm, like, I'm just we're not trying, trying to make to people canceled. laugh. I was backing up. I'm like, dude, we're not trying to get canceled. That, you know how much work I put in this over the years? I don't want to be well, deleted off Instagram. I know. That's, why I don't, that's why I backed off of Twitter because I know you'll get super bitchy if I get kicked off of Twitter. So I, I well, I'm not really on there, but it's just a good way to get a hold of people. Twitter is a great way to get a hold of people. So I have Facebook and Instagram, and it's fine if they kick me off of Facebook, then I'll have Instagram, and if they kick me off of there, then I can just go back to living my life. I will Mm -hmm. miss the memes though. Yeah, I mean, you then I would probably open it. I laugh so many times in a day; it's crazy. I mean, it's probably should be illegal. Well, this is what comedy has become because you can't really be, you know, the comedy is kind of not really what it used to be. But the memes are over the top. Anymore. But so you can memes are on the way. memes. The memes are the way. Yeah, it's the way. The memes are the future comedy. I'm a late bloomer, I feel like, to the memes. Oh, yeah, I told you. Because you, you were against it for a while. I mean, I heard somebody say, well, wasn't Darren against social media and all this? Now he's got his own Instagram account. He's posting like 10 memes a day on there. I'm posting way more than 10. And it's like, yeah, I know, dude, I know. It'll he'll calm down in a bit. 
well, I'm against. Because you were, you know, you were back in the day when it was kind of like your digital warrior and digital soldier and all that. You're like, what's this, this social media? I'm a digital warrior. No, but you were kind of against. Oh, the, I wasn't. Whole, well, know. yeah. Now I'm on it. I'm in it. I'm not really in the battle though. You are though. That's what that. That's what mean. That's what you're doing. You're on most the front of my lines. memes are just hilarious. Have you seen those? What did you do, Daddy? The front the, lines. The, did, have you seen those ones like? <laughs> 60 years in the future. See, this is what's wrong. You guys, you guys aren't on the fucking front lines of anything. All right. (laughs) We're just cracking jokes over here. (laughs) Yeah. But dude, I'm telling you, these have the power to wake people up. There's the hypocrisy is so it's meme fuel and there's so much of it. You think the we're living in a crazy reality, dude, you know what? I'm I'm about to read. I'm about to read you some examples. Don't read of, of 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 the the reality that we're in this okay. high strangest reality. So the meme that's meme fuel. Pig it's guy people was it up. the was it the pig guy that sent the memes? Yeah, he messaged me on Instagram. I think. Okay. It says uh, this is from our last intro if, for people. If I need from- to explain the meme, it's not fucking funny. Daddy Pig is 650 LBs or so. Thought it would be a big step for Graham. So I asked if it was a pig we got to kill. And I said, I will kill the pig. It is a big step for me. I'm not going to take it. Ever? Until well, you're if, really if, hungry. If, if the... Colla- you know, if the apocalypse happens, and I'll do. Oh, what we're I need in to the do, apocalypse, but... bro. It's it's, oh, it's a slow burn collapse. I it's mean, the it's the not just apocalypse. it's. It's yeah, funny. It's, it's fine. Laugh your way through it. You can Wake laugh. people up along the way. Yeah. You can learn time. how to transform your life through meditation and stuff like Joseph Selby talks about. You can change your gender. You can just change anything you want. You just be anything you want. <laughs> I so, can't be a um, guy. So I have a bit of a synchro to talk to you about. Uh, it's personal, though. It's, it's just a really tiny one, but it's just... Fun when I'm trying to research for the intro. I'm looking for an operation project, let's say, right? I'm looking through my socials a little bit, some memes. And I was on a show today with Alt United, um, with Mystic Mark, Mark. Mystic Mark and and uh, and Hermes, Hermes special guest. <clears throat> um, it's it was Al from Forum Borealis. I don't know if I'm supposed oh. to say, but he was in there as Hermes. So, anyways. Well, you're definitely not supposed Mark to asked, say. Mark, Mark asked me a weird question about high strangeness and the paranormal and how he thinks that this has gone mainstream, this high strangeness thing. And I'm like, well, I mean, I've always heard of high strangeness when we talked about UFOs and there's a high strangeness aspect to that. You know, we've it's come up on our show many times from a UFO sort of slash paranormal aspect. But um, I've never really heard it as far as like the mainstream using it as almost like an escape or a changing of the definitions because they don't want to use paranormal or something else. So then I'm researching. I come across this operation project today and the guy links to a video in there about high strangeness, the aesthetics of high strangeness. And I was like, well, that's weird. So I was listening to it. And this guy's talking about the aesthetics of high strangeness, not from a UFO paranormal video aspect but from like a a reality a mainstream reality aspect that a huge swath of the public swathe swath swathe swath, a huge, swath, huge swath. swath of the public know that something isn't right 
In a recent video, Andy Nowicki spoke of the aesthetics of high strangeness, wherein we see, we know that the picture on the wall is hanging lopsided, but it is demanded of us that we believe it is straight. The Guardian is here to tell you that the crooked picture is actually straight. Crooked pick. So do you want to get into my uh, my operation project and stuff? Well, that's the synchro. So it's not it's it's not big, but it you know it leads into the today's intro. Well, what's the operation project? Also, a big shout out for uh, other some other shows we've been on lately. Take the gold pill. I was on Rachel Vargas podcast recently. Was that yesterday? Yeah, it probably won't come out for a couple of weeks, but um, and also take the gold pill and the union of the unwanted last Monday was fantastic. Oh, that's well, UFOs, portals, right? Portals and UFOs, and I mean the the panel on the the union of the unwanted. People got to go back and listen. It's fantastic. Who's it should be on, on there? Odyssey now or in podcast format by now. Who's on there? Um, <clears throat> I'd like to. I don't want to leave a bunch of people anyone? out, so I can go back and look at. Uh, that's uh, something here and find out, but before I just sort of. So I out. think it is kind of mainstream, though. I mean, isn't like Stranger Things the most popular show ever? Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. But I don't think For adults and children no, it's not alike. necessarily got anything to do with high strength. Well, I mean, it does, but. Isn't that what it's all about? I haven't seen it. I'll take your word for it. But our last yeah, guest I, I just said it's all about that. MK guess, yeah. Ultra. And- yeah, yeah, I guess you could say that. Yeah, you're right. Reality is upside down. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. So, so Dave Zed was there, but he didn't speak ever. much. Um, Christian, uh, Christian Roper, attorney Mer- Tony Merkel from the Confessionals, and Ryan Burns, who owns property next to uh, the Skinwalker Ranch, were talking about it. Quite a bit. Uh, Miriam was there again, our last uh, one of our latest guests on Outlawed, the Cosmic Keys podcast. Zach Brown, uh, Bledsoe said so was there. Brian Morano with his new movie called Dreamland, um, expanding reality. Of course, uh, Sam Tripoli, Ricky, OBDM, and um, Charlie were there. Lindsay Sherman, Dave Zed didn't get to say much. He had to leave. So, I mean, there was probably some more that popped in afterwards too. So, but I mean, what a fantastic panel! Fantastic. How long did you guys go? Oh, just two hours. Yeah. And the operation is called Operation Damage Control is underway. What, what, what's that noise? Looks military to me. Definitely military. Probably classified too. Dish fire. Prism. Sentry Eagle. Sigma. Manorkin, Artichoke, MK Ultra. Operation Project. Project Operation. This isn't a real like top secret operation or anything like that, but I mean it's worth it for me right now to talk about it. I, I I'm going away for a couple of weeks. I like to leave this for a month almost. Yeah, almost a month. So this is from Morgoth Stubstack. Um and it's the Guardian who weighs in on the excess death mystery with predictable results. And it's called Operation Damage Control. And I already read a little bit of it where it references that that video on high strangeness. But I'm going to breeze through this. It's it's pretty interesting. Did you see your buddy Substack today? Uh, who, Alex Berenson? Yeah. No, I didn't. Denmark. I might have, actually. Denmark bans the COVID shot. Yeah, I saw that. 50. Yeah. 
Yeah, I saw that. There's I didn't think great we'd be, I didn't there. think we'd be um what's the word I'm looking for? Vindicated so quickly? Uh we're not yet, dude. It's oh, not it's, it's we're coming. not in the water yet. We it's have It's coming. cuz wait till you hear this. So so the, I'm fully it's aware coming. that COVID and vaccines are no longer really the current thing. Indeed, they've been superseded by at least three or four newer and more flashy current things. The queen died. There's inflation and economic misery, possible energy shortages, power cuts. Amazon has turned Tolkien into a wraith, which stalks our cultural space, haunting us, us with what it once was. And migrants are literally swimming into Dover as I write. So he says, um, I'm going to skip through this here. Glad I'm not in Europe. He says the author of this article in question. No, no. Okay, let me let me go back. So he's in However, Europe. Dover's in the UK. Well, the Dover is is in the UK. Yeah. However, I genuinely believe that a crime of gargantuan proportions was committed against the people of the earth, my country, and my family. I'm certainly not alone in this feeling, and a crime does not stop being a crime because more spanners have been thrown into the machinery of the dis- of the discourse. Yes, he would be in the UK using the term spanners as a wrench. What? They call wrenches spanners. Yeah. Spanner in the works. I thought it was a a sausage. No. Uh, So the author of this article in question, Devi Shridhar, Shridhar, is not an investigative journalist, but a technocrat. Shridhar's Shridhar? What would it be? S-R-I? Shridhar? 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 S-Shroider? Um. Her Wikipedia page is basically just a list of global governance, institutions, and NGOs. She has spent her career jumping from one to another. They're all there. Gates, Chatham House, the WEF, the WHO. Any pretense of objectivity has long since taken a walk. There isn't even a corrupt journalist who's had their mortgage paid for. The foot soldiers of the technocracy simply write the articles themselves. So basically, the context of this article then is what we're witnessing is an unsettling amount of excess deaths across the Western world, which are not related to COVID-19. As somebody who played a key role in the pandemic response and the public health policies of the last few years, she, the expert, has trotted out to make sure the narrative is straight within the minds of Guardian readers. And there's a quote here. It is likely to be a mix of factors. COVID is making us sicker and more vulnerable to other diseases and research suggests that it may contribute to delayed heart attacks, strokes, and dementia. An aging population, an extremely hot summer, and an overloaded health service, meaning that people are dying from lack of timely medical care. This winter, the cost of living crisis and concerns about fuel poverty will add to these contributory factors, given the links between deprivation and ill health. So we may see these excess death numbers continue. (laughs) In other words... Everything, literally everything is responsible for surging death rates, except the experimental jab. Indeed, as if by magic, the symptoms associated with sudden death and myocarditis are being attributed to long COVID. So I'm going to skip ahead here. I don't want to put it. So read the whole thing because it's quite, uh, quite, uh, quite a lot here. So they say that the, you know, and then she goes on to say that the excess mortality puzzle has been weaponized by some to argue that this is a delayed consequence of lockdown. So again, they're blaming this delayed consequence of lockdown. They're, they're, she's saying that other people are saying that, which I agree. It's that is a weaponized response, which ignores the fact previously mentioned by the it's writer. It's all the shots. 
It's all the shots. In in essence, this is to say that mandatory restrictions on mixing and stay-at-home legal orders, as well as turning the NHS into a COVID health service during the first and second waves of infection, preventing people from being diagnosed or treated from other conditions such as cancer, heart disease, or even depression, and that those long-hidden conditions are now killing people. Definitely some of that, too. But it's still most of them shots. So small surprise that she chose this line to refute. After all, she's probably correct that the uh, toll on the NHS is likely partly to blame for the increase. Anyways, um, so instead of the article, I'm not going to read more from her article because what's important, not important, but funny is not even funny. I shouldn't say funny. So excess debt. So he, so he finishes this part off by saying, Oh, by the way, she's the chair of global health at the University of Edinburgh. He says excess deaths have steadily increasing since April, and we've had to wait until September for one of our young global leaders who has access to every institution and technocratic power to even address it. By doubling down on the wider agenda of global governance and technocracy. If you aren't satisfied with her explanation as to why young boys are now dropping dead of heart attacks playing football, then you're certainly not alone. So then he goes into the replies to her Twitter. This is where we have hope. Didn't she actively promote these injections? If, if, if I had done this, I would be very worried about what I had recommended. And then Fang Fang says, Time you were put before a committee of MPs and finally held to account as your antics and behavior is getting worse. You have heavily promoted multiple injections that is suspected by many to play, be playing a part. And then somebody else, John R.D. Taylor, that's shit. Not one consideration in your article that it could be the vaccines causing the excess deaths. Shameful journalism. And then Alex Senek, it is utterly shameful that you, the biggest vaccine advocate and supposedly a scientist, doesn't even consider the involvement of a novel vaccine as a possible cause. So it's just like one... Oh, here's uh, Ian Finley desperately trying to hang on to a narrative that lockdowns and mass vaccinations with an experimental jab are playing no part in the mysterious rise in excess deaths that I see. You people will never admit that you were wrong. So anyways, hope that there's a whole bunch of uh, of uh, people pushing back on Twitter, though. And then Shit he finishes... Yeah, and then he finishes off his... Uh, he usually gets into like his predictions of... Um, Longtime viewers and readers will know that I sometimes enjoy my armchair cigar and brandy speculations on the moves, the possible moves that an enemy can make. So he goes into like the data changes, partial concession, full concession, the great clear out, the sacrificial lambs, the status quo, and the conclusion. So I won't read all those, but just to give you some teaser at the end, he does predict maybe some of the moves that they will make. Well, that's it. That's it. Yep. Nice Operation Oppo, Damage bro. Control. Operation Damage Control. Operation Support the Show. GrandAmerica.ca slash support. Head over there today. Sign up for monthly. Make a one-time donation. Uh, monthly would be great. One-time donation would be fine, too, but a monthly would be better. You sign up for a buck a month, two bucks a month, ten bucks a month. You decide. GrandAmerica.ca slash support. Sign up today. If you're getting a little value from our little podcast here. 566 episodes, all free, all there in the back catalog. You can have them all. 
if you get some value from that, throw a little value back away. Let us know what you think we're worth. And, uh, you can also head over to grimericaoutlaw.ca if you want to check out our chats about maybe some more controversial stuff. Lately, we've been doing some transgender shows over there and, uh, stuff like that. Stuff we can't talk about here because it gets us kicked off uh, all of everything, YouTube and all that stuff. Even though some of the stuff we get kicked off YouTube for, you're allowed to say now, but it's best just to stay away. So Grimerica.ca is a feed, right? That's a yeah, whole separate That's GrimericaOutlaw.ca. GrimericaOutlaw.ca, all one word. Head over to AdultBrain.ca to check out all those audiobooks. Grimerica.ca slash chats during the chats. Graham is leaving in just a couple of days with my truck um, down to Washington again to hang out with our buddy Randall Carlson. Brandon Powell, Dave Matheson, Ben from Uncharted X, the Brothers of the Serpent, Brad. Anyone else? Am I missing anyone? I don't think so. I think I got everyone. So you'll be down there for two full weeks, our first double tour. You can still get in. I mean, you could probably still get in on the first tour. Now, by the time this comes out, it'll be like starting tomorrow. So that's too late. But you can get in. There's another one next week. There's another one starting next Monday. So last minute, if you want to get in on that, head over to contact at thecabin.com. Jump on that. You just got to get your ass to Seattle or Spokane by 2 o'clock next Monday, and you can get in on the adventure. Randall Carlson and friends touring around the Washington Scablands. That's all I can say because we're not allowed to talk about the secret trip after. Right. Right. That's Shh. right. Secret. But I'll get to see Brandon <laughs> Powell again. He said we're going to do gangster shit, so that sounds fun. Huh. It's going to involve 50 cows. We're going to shoot a lot of badass guns, brother. Wow. Wow. Are you ready for this? I, I don't need to shoot any guns. Oh, um, yeah, you do. Yeah. Oh, you're, you're going to wait for me? And, we're going to uh, make you. Wait, yeah. We're going to make you shoot guns. Hmm. I won't make you kill the pig, but you could shoot guns like at a target. Yeah, Why I guess are you so. Sure. That face? I'll try it. Well, I'll try it. I'm just, you know, I'm not really into guns, but I'll try well, it out. It's I time guess. to get into guns, bro. Dude, I shot a handgun you could do in 1980. Bow and arrow. I oh, wow. Before you were wow. even born. Wow. So. I was born in 1981, but I'd probably, <laughs> and I shot my uncle's handgun when I was like seven. <laughs> <laughs> so I probably shot a handgun before you. Um, did you talk about our audiobooks already? Yeah. Eh? Adultbrain.ca for the audiobooks. I think I did right before the events. Yeah. That uh, Carwood event down in Shasta is selling out fast, so people might want to bank a deposit for that. The Utah event, the 420 bash down in Zion Bryce, that's selling out too. I mean, just head over, contact at thecabin.com and peruse the page and see what you find. There's bound to be something that you like. We got the Canada event coming up. Uh, that one's ways off, but it's coming to November of 2023. And we do have... I'm. Um, Probably a little premature in this, but it's coming out probably by the end of October. We will have on sale the Mohab Excursion with uh, our buddy Bruce Silva, and a local desert expert and guide that we're going to hire to take us to do some. This is going to be like a hardcore backcountry camping in the desert, uh, exploring sort of event. We're looking at maybe before the eclipse, January before the eclipse. Maybe to do that. So uh, that'll be like a smaller one, maybe 12, 14 people, but it's all coming. So just bookmark that site, contact at thecabin.com and check it out every couple months and see what's new. Or you can just sign up for the newsletter and when there's a new event, you'll get it. All right. right what on. else you got? 
I got a quote if you want. It's the profound quote of the week. Seriously, though, dude, if you not killing a pig is the difference between us getting 400 pounds of pork or not, it's the profound quote of you're going to have to do this. Well, I mean, that, if that's where they're going to, are you going to put the, the ultimatum down? I'm not that? putting the ultimatum I mean, down. It's not my pig. Well, I might do it if, 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 it, means, if it means us getting that much bacon, then. Well, it's not all bacon. You know, the bacon know. only comes from a very particular. I've already got, I just bought a half a pig off of my neighbor. So I got lots of frozen pork right now. I need more pig. But and that would be the first one that Johnny, I drop out of my. My buddy my, Johnny uh, just slaughtered his pigs. So he'll have a ton of pork. Mm. Ooh, pork is so good too. Pork. Yeah, probably, but it, it takes a long time to digest. I feel like it's a little what? too, it would be the first meat I would drop actually. Really? Yeah, it's a little too close to human. That's because humans come from pigs fucking monkeys. I know, that's what or I mean. Or monkeys fucking pigs, maybe. Probably more likely. Yeah, that's probably more like it. So, when an honest man, honestly mistaken, comes face to face with undeniable and irrefutable truth, he is faced with one of two choices. He must either cease being mistaken or cease being honest. Amicus solo. That's what I was going to guess. <laughs> cut me off. It's Latin for Rumo. Rumi? Oh, nice. Good try. A lone friend. Oh. Uh, do you got a, a bio for Joseph Selby? I do, yeah. He, uh, so Joseph Selby enjoys making Selby. the complex and obscure simple and clear, like he does in his book, The Breakthrough, The Limits of the Brain, How Neuroscience Supports Spiritual Experience. The Physics of God, that's his other book, A Unification of Science and Religion. And the Yuga is a factual look at India's tradition of cyclical history. He is known for creating bridges of understanding between modern evidence-based discoveries of science and the timeless experience-based discoveries of the mystics. A dedicated Kriya Yoga meditator for nearly 50 years, he's taught yoga, meditation, universal experiential spirituality throughout the U.S. and Europe. In 75, he became a founding member of Ananda, a spiritual community and movement inspired by the teachings of Paramansa Yogananda, author of Autobiography of a Yogi. His role as teacher and minister and decades of study under Swami Kriyananda, a direct disciple of Yogananda, gave him a deep dive into Eastern philosophy, meditation, and comparative religion. He's also a critical thinker grounded in science, having studied physics, chemistry, and microbiology at the University of Colorado. Um, he's always <clears throat> blended science and spirituality. So he's now retired, uh, was a founder of the CEO of TriStream, an early pioneer in experience design for the web. He collaborated with Jacob Nielsen, the thought leader in experience design, to write best team practices for web application design. And he spoke at many Nielsen Norman Group conferences in the United States and Europe. He talks about it's a there's a great part in his book where he's talking about where the scientists are making these apps and they they kind of putting all the all the sort of algorithms and how you do an app right and when it comes to a part in the app that you're not really sure how it's going to work yet like you haven't figured out the algorithm you don't even know how how to do it yet they just put magic happens here until Perfect. they until they can until they somehow figure out the spell Figure it out. Yeah. Those algorithms are practically spells. We'll be praying to them soon enough, I'm sure. Yeah. Exactly. All right, guys, it's enough of our lazy ravelins. We hope you enjoy the chat with Joseph Selby. 
Joseph Selby. Welcome to Gray America. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm surprised after reading your book and be, and looking at your uh, bio and stuff and surprised we haven't chatted before. Maybe when your previous book came out, The Physics of God or something. But I mean, this is uh, this is interesting stuff. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. Uh, and always, always happy to talk about any book uh, and any future book if you want me back. Yeah, that's great. Well, I mean, the thing I loved about this one is I love this like this science and spirituality that, you know, that sort of the merging of the two, you know, how fringe yeah. science is fringe science, not mainstream, but fringe science is really catching up to the ancient wisdom. And I love uh, books like yours that sort of put it all together and show us that we really are more than what we're, uh, what we're taught to be. Yeah. So how did you transition? Well, not transition, but how did you go to this next book? Like what made you put this one out? Well, I'd always been fascinated by how the brain interfaces with more subtle aspects of ourselves. So I'm going to leap right in the middle here and say that one of the premises in the book is that what the mystics and the saints and sages and near-death experiencers have to say about us is true, that there's there's much more to who we are than than we know, and especially much more than what meets the eye or meets any of the senses, that we have a whole uh, deeper reality that is much more who we are, really, than just uh, what the physical body and the senses and our ability to operate with the physical body uh, represents. So I was always fascinated by what is that interface? We've got the brain that has got millions of neurons, 100 million neurons, and many of them are connected in obvious ways to uh, muscles or muscle groups. Uh, they're, they're, they receive input from the senses. And so it's, it's clear that the brain is a a clearinghouse for sensory information. It's a switchboard in a way. So if you want to start walking, that signal goes from the switchboard of the brain and signals down into the body to hundreds of muscles and all sorts of elaborate movements, all of which is put together by neural circuits. Neural circuits are um, many and varied, but the essential idea is that Neurons can wire together, so neurons can extend additional dendrites to connect to different neurons. And in fact, amazingly enough, a single neuron can put out as many as 10,000 additional dendrites. So if you do the, the math with that, you're talking about trillions of interconnections that can be made in our brain. So the brain's circuits can be really quite complex. I mentioned just walking. That is a hugely complex neural circuit. But we also create neural circuits that are more about connecting us to our thoughts, to our emotions, to our memories. And yet, it's my understanding, it's my belief that thoughts and memories are and, and emotions are in our subtle self. 
they're beyond the physical body. The brain doesn't create thoughts. The brain doesn't create emotions, nor the whole nervous system in the body. Does it create emotions? Nor does the brain store memories, which are, you know, cherished assumptions of the more materialist view of how the brain and body work together. So if we do have this obvious physical brain with all these neural connections, and we have, as I believe, this subtle body that is the home of emotions, thoughts, memories, and many other things, how do they interface? How does that connection take place? So a lot of the research that I did for the book and a lot of the, I guess, the, uh, the satisfaction, the delight that I had in going deep into this subject was to find that there's a lot of support for the notion that non-locality, as it's expressed in, in physics, is a real realm, that there are uh, you know, far more regions in reality that are non-local than there are local physical universes like the one we inhabit. And so with that basis, then I can say, okay, so if, if our thoughts and our feelings and our memories are non-local, then what is that mechanism that goes back and forth between the local brain and the non-local mind? And essentially, what I thought of it as more and more is the brain, the neural circuits in the brain that connect us to our thoughts, emotions, and memories are like radio presets. So if you have a radio in your car, you listen to the same station over and over, you're very likely to have a preset. You just press that, and it takes you right to that station, and that whatever that station is playing starts coming through the speaker so you can hear it. So we have neural circuits in our brain that effectively do the same thing. When they're stimulated, they connect us not to radio stations, but to non-local thought stations, if you will, or emotion stations or memories. And we begin to experience whatever that train of thought is we just tuned into. it. The train of thought keeps going. It's not just a single thought necessarily or that flow of emotion, or that chain of memories, because we have these triggers in the brain that stimulate and take us to that uh, uh, subtle awareness in in what is, I, I think, the mind rather than the brain. So does that repetition strengthen that? Like the habit, sort of when you're, when you're forming habits, does that strengthen that connection? And then do you... That it really does sound like when people say rewiring the brain, like that's literally what you can do. You can rewire those circuits, right? By creating new experiences and new thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's not a, a, a slam dunk, uh, easy thing to do because we've already wired the brain for certain habitual patterns and trains of thought that it will stimulate. Uh, I like in our normal day-to-day awareness to being like a a fireworks show that goes off in our mind. So we have stimulus coming in from the senses that's kind of like the, the big bangs and noise of a fireworks display. And then we have the 
starbursts that happen moments later after the, the boom of the senses that are the thoughts and feelings and memories that go off in our mind. But because we have so many neural circuits already wired, and because they are very interconnected, one neural circuit that maybe you have for drinking coffee, say, that you love to drink coffee, that will call up memories and, and, and trains of thought, which can trigger an entirely different memory and a different train of thought. We all have that experience of how associative the mind is, right? Uh, especially when we sit to, to meditate. <laughs> That's when we find out just how connected our thoughts are uh, is that in trying to you know, slow down those thoughts, we may go, you know, one, two, three, four, ten thoughts down the line before we catch ourselves and realize we've just been caught up in those thoughts. So that is part of the fireworks show. That is the fireworks show, is that we have this very interactive, reactive set of neurons uh, and neural circuits in the brain that keep us entranced, keep us uh, watching this unfolding of all our thoughts, feelings, memories, sensory impressions from when we get up to when we go to sleep. Can we control them? And it's very them? powerful. It's very powerful. Go ahead. Somebody Can we control them? Can we control them? Like if we, is that where mindset and stuff like that comes in, where you have positive mindset, it stops from getting a negative thought loop? Well, unfortunately, there's two answers to your question. Yes, we can create those uh, those sets, those neural intentions, but in the absence of setting new intentions, our brain circuits tend to control us. <laughs> we don't realize we're being controlled because it's all familiar and it's all things that we created intentionally. But we don't realize how little conscious choice we made for that particular uh, set of thoughts to play out. They're just very familiar. We fall into them. They're like well-worn grooves in the brain. But the power of neural circuits is that if we intentionally create them, they have that same power for us to do what we now want to do and not perhaps what we wanted to do in the past. You mentioned the memories and the emotions and stuff, how that there's a potential for that to be non-local, not just sitting in some sort of, you know, hard drive part of your brain, but actually like accessible somewhere else. And we talked to a couple other uh, people that have been doing shamanic work with memories and like realizing that they can actually access a whole bunch of memories that they didn't really have conscious access of before by using psychedelics and certain sort of shamanic rituals or ceremonies, let's say. Um, so is that part of like, is that how we can control, how we can change and heal too is accessing uh, in uh, memories and, and building new pathways around those memories instead of our old sort of fear-based or um, trauma-based memories from, yes, uh, or sorry, trauma-based responses from a memory? Definitely. I mean, there are, there's so much, we're kind of like an iceberg. The, the tip of the iceberg is the, the local physical brain body and the, the awareness that we can have through that. 
But the vast majority of the iceberg is beneath the surface in this non-local, um, high-energy, two-dimensional realm that contains memories, not of necessarily just of this lifetime, that we can access memories from past lifetimes. We can also access new thoughts that aren't already part of our memory store in the in the non-local realm by especially uh, meditating. You get me going, I'll talk about meditation all the time. It's the single most important thing that uh, people can do in my estimation and in my experience. But what meditation does for us is it gives us access to that non-local, um, deeper reality that is is more us than the physical body is. And in that access, we realize more and more, not just that there's some part of us that is non-local, it's that there's an immensity of what we are, that we are part of spirit, that we are um, sharing in the infinity of the of spirit. But as we experience it through meditation, then that becomes more uh, practical, real to us. Yeah, practical there's a, pra- to there's us, a practical. To us. Yeah, you kind of mentioned that in your book a little bit about how it enables you to really like respond instead of react or discern also discernment and and maybe uh, concentration. You know, really to be able to increase concentration, which plays an important part in in a whole bunch of different areas creativity yeah. and uh, success, all, all this kind of stuff, really. Yeah, unless we do things like that, we just get carried along by the circuits we've already created. We tend to be creatures of habit. We tend to, um, you know, just flow down the grooves in our brain that we've already created because they are the path of least resistance. So how do we like re resurface those? Is that that's what the meditation is? Do you think like once a day is good, and for how long, or should we be doing it more than that? Is it should it be daily? Can it be just a couple days a week? I think any meditation is good, and more meditation is better. <laughs> so uh, there there is no magic amount that is just right. It sort of depends on a lot of factors as to where you already are in your life as to uh, how much you can benefit from it. And it can be difficult. Um, I don't want to make it sound like you just sit down, you start meditating, and you have these uh, powerful experiences of spirit and you rewire your brain all in the first week. You know, (laughs) Uh, I've been meditating for almost 50 years, and it's still a challenge to meditate with as much focus and as much attention as I can bring to it as I have in like past episodes. It's not as if it's automatic or magic that you always have the same experience in meditation. But I can say, on the other hand, that it really has rewired my brain because well, let me give you an example, which is somewhat dramatic. Um, I, I was in a 
auto accident just 10 months ago. And uh, my neck was broken in that accident. And as I was sitting in the car waiting for the, the ambulance to come, I knew that you know, I couldn't lift my head. I knew that I, you know, I was damaged, that something had been uh, seriously impacted in the crash. But I felt absolutely no fear. And, I, and I'm not saying this to... Not an ego thing, no. It wasn't an ego thing. I, I, I just felt no fear. I, I was, well, I was, I was open to whatever was going to happen. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I was either going to get cured, I was going to die, I was going to have a hard life after the accident because the, the injury would be severe. But none of those thoughts, as they went through my mind, even just, you know, waiting for the ambulance, I, I never felt fear. And I really put that down to having experienced in meditation uh, a deep sense of safety, a deep sense of all things are as they should be, that I'm, I'm where I am, as I am, and as I should be. Yeah. Uh, and that was a powerful uh, indicator to me of just how strongly that rewiring had had changed me. Well, and just imagine in that moment, the difference between your physiology of you being in this completely accepting, relaxing, relaxed state compared to being all wound up in a super fearful trauma state. Imagine how you can enable healing that way, right? Or enable... Um, maybe way less of an injury. I mean, who knows what that relaxed state actually uh, has, like what kind of positive influence that has compared to being all tensed and wound up. Yeah, and it doesn't even have to be an accident. You can just be yeah. uh, a, a powerful, negative, emotional experience. Someone is really mad at you. You're really mad at someone. Um, something really uh, uh, difficult has been done to you, and you have that same choice. You can feel safe and accept that what just happened happened, or you can, as you were hinting, make it worse. <laughs> you can react to it and really get yourself wrapped around the axle uh, with your own uh, reactive response to that emotion and it is those kind of emotions, the stressors and the reactions that bit by bit over the course of our life kill us off prematurely. I remember an example like that myself where um, <clears throat> I spilt like, let's say, coffee grounds all over the kitchen floor or something, you know, and and I literally had no reaction to it. Like I norm, I like in my past, I would have just fucking sworn and got all pissed off. And I just had like zero. It was just like super, uh, uh, equ equanimity. And I was like, okay, well, yeah, there's coffee grounds all over the floor. I mm -hmm. dropped it, but I didn't even flinch for some reason. So that was one of those, like just a small example of like, Oh, okay. There's some progress there with, with the uh, super conscious awareness, you know, creating this this space there where I'm not just reacting instantly to stuff. Yeah. And we can choose not to react. 
uh, it's often we have to resist the impulse to react, but we can, if we are in that space, as you were talking about, of of having a a greater awareness of ourselves, make the choice successfully, and not have to go, you know, up and down the roller coaster to come back to the exact same place you were going to be anyway. Um, you're going to have to clean the coffee grounds up anyway. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so let's just get to it. Uh, a friend of mine said once um, that uh, he was in a a minor car accident, you know, fender bender kind of thing, but it uh, damaged his car severely enough that he couldn't drive it. And he was heading to go skiing up in the Lake Tahoe area. And the vehicle he ran into was a bus. So he got on the bus and continued on to to Lake Tahoe with his skiing gear. And uh, some woman on the on the bus said, well, you know, you just ruined your car. Aren't you upset? He said, well, you know, in a week, I'd be over it. Why not be over it now? Why waste the week? <laughs> why, why, why put yourself through all that misery, right? Are yeah. you okay now then? Did you, how did, did you, you bounce back okay? Oh, from the auto accident? Yeah. Uh, yes, I have bounced back uh, almost completely. I bounced back pretty fast, but uh, I still have some, uh, it, it was a spinal cord injury. So when your um, spinal cord gets traumatized or stretched, you're going to have some splitting of nerves and uh, they're slow to grow back. But luckily the damage was very minor and I'm almost completely back to the way I was. That's great. Can you mention the part? uh, It's kind of been also an answer to Darren's question about how do we sort of rewire stuff. But one of the things that really stood out for me, which, um, it's kind of a lay is a layered thing too, because you could bring this example in all kinds of parts of your life, but how you, you say it's so much easier to create these new pathways than to resist the old ones. You know, it's almost like that, you know, instead of just trying to hold back this, um, this old negative response, you're, you're going with the flow and bit and creating a new path. That seems much easier. Yeah. Well, it's, I think it's not necessarily, easier but it is a lot more successful right resisting the impulses that you're already feeling it's really too late right if if you're if you're feeling that burst of anger or you're feeling that desire to eat foods that you no longer want to eat but you still love them uh, if if you're you know wanting to just bury your head in the sand and ignore what you have things you have to do and these are patterns that are that are habitual that have strong neural circuits to them once you feel any one of those beginning it's it's like you use the term of the water flowing you know you you have to try to catch the (laughs) the flood and you can't and it just takes you with it so what you need to do to offset particularly the strongest kind of uh, neural circuits that you no longer want to have, is you need to create, with some degree of of, um, introspection 
and thinking about it, you need to create new habits that offset those so that instead of, uh, I'll just use diet because everybody typically has to deal with diet. So instead of, you know, fighting and resisting that next piece of chocolate cake that you know you shouldn't eat, but you really like chocolate cake, you've already created another pathway that takes you into automatically eating a more healthful dessert or uh, no dessert at all, but more healthful food. Is this why like so many drinkers end up like being coffee addicts? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's part of it. Uh, I'm not sure eventually whether (laughs) the coffee is any better, but uh, it certainly probably keeps them more on the straight and narrow. Um, But yes, you're, 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 it's good to impersonalize your view of yourself and just think, okay, what do I do that I no longer want to do? And most of the time, often what we do is instead of being impersonal about it, we feel guilty about it. We do something over and over that we really don't like, really wish we didn't do anymore. Then we feel guilty. Then we feel terrible. Then we lose energy. If we can just step back from that and admit that we have this almost overwhelming uh, desire to do X and that it gets triggered by all manner of things, uh, you know, I would imagine somebody who is an alcoholic living in their own house can get triggered by almost everything in their environment, right? But it it tells them, nudges them to to take a drink. And then once they start drinking, the whole circuit fires and, and there's no going back. So you have to be methodical about it if you really want to change. Otherwise, the continuous fireworks show, that's going to be whatever fireworks show you created. And it's just going to play out for the rest of your life. In, in some ways, your your theory, well, not that it's your theory, but this evidence, the scientific evidence and ancient wisdom evidence kind of uh, supports the abstinence model of, uh, you know, alcoholism in a way, right? Like I quit drinking almost 14 and a half years ago now, and, and I don't play around with it because I don't want to to create that, that recreate that pathway that comes yeah. in even stronger, you know? Yeah. Yeah, they don't necessarily go away. Yeah. You have the the roots and the branches of that neural circuit, and they may atrophy a bit, not have as many connections to other neural circuits, but they're still there. And if you give them any energy at all, they can they can reawaken. So <laughs> there's, a saying, on a there's a saying in recovery that you're your addict like you're he's in the push in the parking lot doing push ups, you know. <laughs> Wait, Frank the tank. Yeah. <laughs> Graham just has yeah. one sip of beer and just goes fucking off the rails, disappears. Yeah, it's hard. It's a, it's you built the circuit innocently in a sense, yeah. right? Yeah, definitely. You know, you just started and as long as we're talking about drinking, you know, you started drinking and you enjoyed it, right? You know, it made you feel good. It was something you did with friends and and then because you've built this circuit, you'll eventually sort of become its victim. Yeah. 
because it takes on a life of its own. Yeah. So you have to really respect these circuits and avoid triggering them in any possible way you can. Change your environment, you know, whatever it is you're up against. Don't let anything be in your house or in your workspace that reminds you of it. But mainly what you need to do is figure out what is going to be the best countering habit that I can develop. So a lot of times the, the, the habits we develop make us feel good in some way. And the irony, bitter irony of many of them is that they eventually make us feel bad. But <laughs> they start off by making us feel good, and that's what makes them attractive. So this is why I say to people, if you have not already developed a habit of meditation, do it. Put put all your willpower and energy and thought into developing that practice and then enjoying that practice. Because what it does is it makes you feel good. That is the power of meditation. It is the, the shortest distance between where you are now and feeling wonderful. Everything else is a is a, a bonus byway. You know, you want to feel good so you drink, but but then really all you want to do is feel good. You just <laughs> you got this middleman in the way. Or you want to feel good and so you eat too much. And again, you have this middleman that actually doesn't work. Where meditation goes direct to the positive feelings that are really what all of us are seeking. It sounds it always sounds trite to say it, but it's true. Because all anybody wants to be is happy. And we figure out all these many, many ways that once made us feel happy, right? That that we had an experience, maybe we had more than one experience. And in that experience, we said, oh, that makes me happy. So that's the answer. Yeah. You know, food, relationship, exercise, running, hard work. You know, you pick what it is. They're not all negative. They all can be positive, but they're all sort of a middleman that you do it to get to the happiness. You do it to get to the positive feeling where meditation just goes direct to the positive feeling. And that's why so many people like it. And once you start meditating regularly, it is like a, a booster for self-change. It rewires your brain um, everywhere. It, it's, the, it's a force that will uh, degrade some of the stronger neural circuits that you've developed that you no longer want. And it will um, increase your health, increase your energy, increase your sense of well-being, deepen your concentration. All of these are tools and aids to then establishing more, yet more positive neural circuit habits. So it's it's the starting point if you're not already there. Can you explain a little bit in about your, um, like in the book, you call it your uh, superconscious awareness, accessing that, right? Can you explain that a little bit for what it's like? I know it's hard to put into words, but. Well, this, the word superconscious, I, I like to use it because it implies that it's bigger than, but similar to, conscious awareness. That it's not 
you know, just some totally yeah. other thing that you eventually stumble into and go, oh, this is great. Uh, it's you get to what you would eventually, you know, say to yourself, oh, this is super consciousness. You get there by making conscious choices to quiet the mind, still the body, to get past the fireworks show in the mind and just enjoy what you're experiencing. And that enjoyment at first is more um, a matter of relaxation. You feel that the physical body feels like it's, you know, big, big sigh, you just let go. Your physical body just releases. And that is a wonderful feeling. And then perhaps you get a, um, and, and not necessarily always in the same meditation, but but as a, as a experience of experiences that you have uh, in meditation, you might then also feel um, a relaxation in the heart where you, you're carrying tension that you didn't realize you were carrying. And it might have been about deadlines or money or all the things that make us kind of get wound up and you know feeling like we're we're having to like force our way through our own life that feeling can relax and you realize oh i don't have to force my way through my life i don't have to push myself i can in this state just enjoy doing all the things that i'm going to need to do that are going to make all those things happen that i need to happen i don't have to do it in a state of tension but eventually, after you get through physical relaxation and emotional relaxation, you begin to feel yourself as much more than you ever have known yourself to be. And it can be, and it often is, it just this huge expansion of the heart where it goes, you know, sort of like beyond the boundaries of your body. And beyond the boundaries of, you know, what you customarily feel when you're you're lying with your eyes closed, you know, you, you even when we're falling asleep, we still sort of harbor this sense of having our body. But in meditation, you can go beyond that. You can feel like the boundaries of your body expand, and it's wonderful. It, and the bliss. It, I mean, you can moving. get to truly bliss, really. Yeah. Yeah, and that is super conscious feeling. And then accompanying that, you begin to have what you might think of as super conscious mental awareness. Um, the way I experience it the most is uh, in creativity. I feel like when I write that the ideas aren't necessarily mine, I don't feel like I'm channeling, uh, but I feel like the inspiration is coming from this greater reality of which I am a part. And they have a special feeling to them. They feel different when I have those thoughts or those insights. And I know that that is creativity. I'm creating something that, although perhaps not 
you know, miles different than anything else that has ever been created before, it is in its own small way different than anything that has been created before. And that it has come to me through this superconscious avenue. And the mystics, uh, saints and sages, they have this experience to the infinite degree where they're still aware of their physical body and can function in their physical body, but they're simultaneously aware of their being as being infinite and that they're infinitely joyful and that their their body, so to speak, is the universe and not just this physical, this small uh, uh, expression of that physical universe. So it's a mind-boggling state of consciousness. Yeah, thanks for that explanation. Yeah, I mean, it, the other thing that made me really think about when I was reading your book is because um, you mentioned also sort of some that we don't know who we are, who we what our potential is and who we can be. And you mentioned some sort of some supernatural, not supernatural, but superhuman feats in a way. Some stuff that you know. And you mentioned the ancient sages with the chi and and this sort of extended consciousness. And the powers that they had and the powers that we could have. And, you know, this materialism, this paradigm has been sort of pushing us down. It really made me realize, well, no wonder why they really want this materialism here. You know, like they're, the conspiratorial part of my mind goes to like, well, they're just suppressing all this access we have to our, our human potential. Well, I think in a way they are. I don't know if they're conspiratorial, but they certainly is a... Uh, it could just be a what would you call effect, it? Like, a, like mean, an old boy network, you know that that keeps scientific materialism uh, at the forefront of what is being presented to the public as as the meaning and interpretation of scientific discovery, and that is a very you know tightly interlocking uh, group of things, group of people who genuinely and 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 uh earnestly believe it to be true but it makes getting any changes into the public mind into the the world mind difficult because they are so influential yeah i, I read your some of your article there on um what was it on you you, you had an uh about the materialism let me just get the link here quickly um, I think it was on expanding light, and you wrote about uh, the fight for materialism. The fight over. Oh, I think the title was that uh, uh, scientific materialists have hijacked science. Yes, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah, it's yeah. just fantastic because, I mean, it ends up coming up on the show all the time because so many things are sort of this war on consciousness, you know. And I guess but it's, and I guess you're right that they do believe, like, let's say the the new atheist guys or whatever, they believe this, but. I feel like in the early 1900s, maybe when they kind of got rid of ether and they kind of pushed the more of the Newtonian paradigm on us, I feel like that could have been sort of on purpose to sort of just keep us, keep us down, you know? And now that I think about it lately, you know, maybe it's not intentional, but it sure seems to be cracking apart. You know, I wanted to know if you're, cause you've been involved in this in so long and you wrote the physics of God as well. Um, Oh, I see your for there's a forward from Amit Goswami on there. He's been on the show a couple of times. Um, 
Do you think we're? Do you think it, it's it's falling apart and we're starting starting to not that it's a win or loss type thing, but is materialism sort of losing the battle now? Well, you know, I was pleasantly surprised to read uh, that a uh, Pew study, Pew research study that was done in 2008 or 2009, somewhere in there, uh, that was a, you know, basically uh, uh, deep interviews in in many directions with many different people associated with um, religion. I was very surprised, happily surprised, that 51% of self-identified scientists believed in God or a higher power. And I think they just have to shut up and put up with it in their jobs because the people who have the the money and the power are wedded to the uh, basic you know, definition of scientific materialism, which is that the only thing there is and ever can be is matter and energy. There's nothing else that's just simply possible. And anything that can be discovered uh, is going to be uh, explained through these two basic realities, matter and energy. They're intertwined realities. realities. And as you say, there's no room in that for consciousness. But the fact that, you know, just slightly over 50% of scientists don't let scientific materialism rule their own minds. <laughs> you know, they have their own opinions, uh, even knowing all the same facts as the the people who are the hardcore scientific materialists. So I do think it is evolving. And I think we're seeing, uh, certainly in this realm of um science and spirituality uh, intersections of of the the number of books that fit into that category is just growing and growing and growing because people are avidly interested. You know, I always wanted to write a book about the physics of God. I had 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 it in mind, I know, for decades before I finally got to write it. But I was surprised by how well it was received and and how many copies have sold it people are just uh fascinated by it and want to know more and i think part of it there's some people who who want it because it confirms for them what they already believe that there are realities beyond the 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 physical energetic um dynamism of of scientific materialism and then there are other people for whom it's actually a gateway to be able to believe in the notion that there is consciousness that exists independently of matter and energy. So you get both uh, both kind of people interested in these books. How long it'll take to, to really crack, you know, is anybody's anybody's guess. There's still, you know, I hate I hate to have to bring it down to something so crass. But there's still a lot of monetary advantage to being a scientific materialist. Yeah, I was going to say that despite all the lack of funding and the lack of support officially, there's still a lot of good science out there showing. Especially if you make vaccines, you just get rich, super rich. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And it's 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 hard to fault somebody. I mean, these guys who have 
you know, are part of that 51% who believe in God or a higher power who yet are, you know, working scientists, it's hard to fault them for keeping their mouth shut because they want to feed their family. They want to, you know, pay for the house, have the life that uh, they would like to lead. And they know that if they start talking about consciousness, their job is, you know, on measured time. It's even just like you said, well, consciousness. I mean, you said it in that article. They don't even want to. There was a quote from a couple of these materialists. They're like, they don't even want to use the word consciousness. Yeah, because it's going to be taken the, like it's going to be taken like like spirituality and occultism. Like what? How often do they do that? That Pew study, like uh, every ten years, every five years, every year. Which way is it trending? You know, that's a very good question. I wish I had an answer. Um, that was the last one that I have seen, and I've kept an eye out for, you know, articles about a new Pew study, and I haven't seen one. I mean, there are tons of Pew studies, but not necessarily on that particular topic. So um, you're, you're intriguing me enough that I'm going to go, I'm going to go look. Pew is very well organized. So if they did have prior studies, I bet they have comparisons. <laughs> I bet they have, you know, this this same question was asked 10 years ago and 60% answered this and 40% answered that, et cetera. I bet, they, I bet you can find a trend line. I just don't know what it is. Darren, do you have any other questions at all, Darren? Well, I mean, I am interested in the meditating thing. I'd like to try and, you know, add that to my daily routine it's always been something that's sort of eluded me you know after i smoked dmt a couple of times in the fall of 2019 which was an experience in itself yeah i won't get into that here but uh, there is an episode in the back catalog somewhere where i tell the whole story maybe Graham can dig it up and put the number in the show notes but after that i found it surprisingly easy to meditate for a couple of months and then uh you know, I took a break off everything at Christmas. I took a break off my workout routine, off everything I was doing, and fucking it all just fell off a cliff, and I never started doing any of it again. But I've got, you know, I've managed to retain all of it except the uh, meditating, and I don't really feel like smoking any DMT right now or anytime sort of soon. Might eat some mushrooms soon, but, you know, <laughs> here we are. So what well, do you, what's your I, like I advice for a beginner? Assume I've never meditated and that you would not be far off. Um, I will say what I, what I say to everybody, which is try to approach it as something that you're going to enjoy. You know, think of it as something that you can put in your life that it's going to um, be a pleasure to do. And that it is not necessarily going to be a chore. The other thing I always like to caution people about is expectations. Uh, you know, I mentioned after 50 years, I still don't sit down to meditate. And instantly, my thoughts still and my mind becomes clear as crystal and I have a wonderful meditation. I still have to, you know, use the techniques that I know. And uh, there's one called the Hung Sa Technique that I recommend to anyone and everyone. Uh, you can find it on my website, which I'll, I'll give you the details to before we wrap up. But um, 
the reason I, br I brought up Hung Sai is that even with techniques that are designed to help you uh, settle the mind and become still and concentrate, it still doesn't come just easily. So don't beat yourself up. Don't set an expectation that you ought to be able to meditate really deeply right off and that um, and that it's going to be the best thing you ever experienced in the first days that you do it. It is like, you know, learning a sport or a new language or anything. You have to work at it. So the reason why I started with thinking of it as a pleasure is make it a pleasure. Um, combine it with things. So this is your... This is your part of the day when you get to just relax, wherever you want to put it. End of your day, first thing in the morning, uh, a little personal time before you eat lunch. Find a time when you would just, even if you didn't meditate, you'd be happy to just turn the phone off, shut the computer sit down, stare off at a wonderful view, or just relax. You know, so start there. That this is, this is a time for you that is going to be a special time for you every day. Not, oh no, one more thing I have to do. Oh no, not another onerous habit that I have to create for myself. Um associate with it with things that's one of the secrets to getting a neural circuit building to support your meditation like the bath or something like that say that again like the bath or something like that yeah yeah you know it, incense candles anything that kind of triggers that like relaxation response yeah and have a nice spot where you go to meditate you know it Again, I meditated for a very long time. But if I try to meditate sitting in front of my computer, it doesn't happen. All my circuits are firing and saying, look at the screen, look at the screen, check your email, surf, you know, because my body's in the chair that it's normally in when I work at the computer. And I'm sitting in that same posture. So choose a space where you don't do anything except be comfortably quiet and make it nice uh, ideally you want to have a, a posture where you sit upright but if you have a, a an easy chair that just helps you relax use it you know eventually if you want to change posture once you've gotten into meditation then that's fine but anything that will help you just let go and not fidget is going to be a big plus uh Go ahead. Like say, take a bath uh, any kind of routine that you can surround meditation with that you like and it makes you feel good and makes you feel relaxed do that and then just don't have a lot of expectations just accept that this is something that you know is worth putting uh deliberate will into for weeks to months then what happens is that during those weeks to months you've created a neural circuit 
that supports it. And that neural circuit is triggered by your bath. It's triggered by the chair you like to sit in. It's triggered by anything else you do, like incense or light candles, uh, or the pictures on the wall that you have chosen to kind of put you in in an inner mood. All of those things are woven into that neural circuit, and any one of them will make it fire. So after a while, when you see the chair that you like, it makes the whole circuit fire, and you think, ooh, I'm looking forward to my meditation this evening. And it it starts to all work like a like a beneficial circle. You know, it all starts to draw you into uh, meditating. And once you are sitting to meditate, that same neural circuitry will help you physically relax. You know, there's a there's like a neural switch in your brain that disconnects you from your body when you are asleep. And that's why you literally can't. If you ever had a dream where you you wanted to move, but you couldn't, that's why. You, you literally have had your body switched off. And the senses get switched off in sleep. So to begin with, noises and that sort of thing might keep you awake. Once you fall asleep, you don't hear them anymore. And that is because you literally don't hear them anymore because the information is not reaching the forebrain. It's not reaching the uh, the parts of you that uh, are aware. So the more you meditate, the more those same kind of uh, capabilities that the brain has come to your aid to keep the body still and to 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 you know, withdraw from sensory input. Overload today, these yes. days. Overload, overload. I mean, all of us, I'm just as guilty as anyone, uh, spend hours of screen time, right? We just are... I just turn my screen time back on, and it's like, actually, today is not too bad. I would, I, So I was having a bad week, and then I noticed that they count Spotify and Audible, so I had to go back and do some like math and take that out. And I was like, okay, it's like two and a half or three hours, which still isn't great. But when you see like six and a half hours, you're like, what the fuck? How did I get anything done today? Right. So it's because I was listening to music for most of it. But it's still a three. I'm not, I'm not defending three hours. I'd like to get that down under an hour a day, ideally. So could you like... I know you said to go to your website, but like a lot of our listeners won't do that. It's just hard to get in and check the show notes. We hope they do. A bunch of them will. I'm not saying none of them will. Probably like 30% will do that for sure. But could you give us a quick breakdown of that uh, meditation technique? uh, Well, I can give it to you in essence. There's a lot of uh, fine points to it. So if anybody, you know, likes what I say now... I really do recommend they go to my website, which is easy. It's just josephselby.com. But the technique essentially uses the fact that the mind really wants to pay attention to something. There's really no such thing as a blank mind. The mind really wants to be absorbed in something. And that's why it just keeps chasing thoughts. So the Hangsa technique essentially takes that quality of the mind and gives it something to focus on. And the focus is your breath and the 
words hung and saw. So on an inhalation, you say hung for the duration of that inhalation. And on the exhalation, you say saw for the duration of that exhalation. Out loud or in your head? In your head. And you don't try to control the breath. You just watch it. And you say hung just uh, easily, smoothly, however it feels in, in your mind. If you drift off, which you undoubtedly will do, just come back, start doing it again. Fairly soon, many people tell me this, was my, my personal experience as well. They found themselves not distracted. They found themselves just able to watch the breath and that it was this marvelous release of tension, release of emotion, and they've just felt calm and relaxed. So, again, not super easy. You're not going to have the the uh, amazing total bliss experience that you'd like to have in meditation in one sitting, but it is a very useful technique for getting past the mind's tendency to just ramble, to just go with associative thought after associative thought. So watch your breath, and as you um, become quieter physically, try to bring your point of attention up to the point between the eyebrows. I I was going to say, I tried your technique where because it's sometimes it's hard to feel parts of your body, you know, as a male, especially. And I tried your breathing in the cool air and letting uh, breathing out the warm air. And then you sort of extend where that cool air goes. And I could literally feel it uh, very easily in my third eye. Yeah. And when it gets there, it has power there. You know, that is kind of a natural focus point for the subtle body, you know, the chakras and the, the subtle nervous system do come to a focus at the point between the eyebrows. So bringing your attention to that point while you're still doing hung and saw um, is, uh, again, it just becomes more and more effective to help you really enjoy it, to really have an experience that isn't just you, (laughs) you know, Trying to avoid looking at your wristwatch to see if you actually get to be done yet, <laughs> and huh. running away from it, you know. So, uh, so there's that, and and as Graham said, there are some uh, fine points to it. Feeling the sensation of the air moving up in your nostrils is cool, and you do that on the hung inhale, and you can feel the air as it goes out of your nostrils being warmer. You do that with saw, and it, it just Again, gives the mind something to focus on. If you ever have a your a tingling in your third eye or even your crown chakra, let's say, do you have any advice on how to um, utilize that? Like, usually, I get excited to the point where it di- it disappears. Like, I pay too much attention to it and right. then it disappears. Like, but it is sometimes it does start tingling or vibrating to the point where I want to just like use, utilize that, you know, either expand it or, but usually I, I ruin it by coming right out of my, my zone. Yes. It's like trying to grab smoke. 
you know, you, you, it's the wrong, it's the wrong thing. Smoke just isn't grabbable. Um, well, over the years, you'll have many, many experiences. Another one that you might have is you might start to see light at the point inner inwardly. You see light, and uh, if you you know tense up and try to see it better, it, it'll go away. You just have to relax and let it, you know, come to a focus and maybe enlarge. Um, you you might see blue light surrounded by golden light. You might just see the golden light. You might see a little tiny white star at the center of the blue field. Uh, this is something that, again, is natural to us on an inner, um, you know, sort of a, a um, non-local anatomy level. That, that the the chakras, the subtle energies uh, include those experiences, include those colors. And so a lot of people do see them. But I think the trick, whether it's tingling, whether it's the top of your head, wherever it is, is let that be a sign that you're becoming quiet and just try to to stay with kind that. of expect yeah stay with it except like just relax into it in a way yeah instead of getting too excited about it darren do you have any other questions at all or no i think this is great yeah this yeah, is great fantastic. where can people get the book or follow you on social media you mentioned the website maybe you could give us a spelling of that yeah so the website as the usual www dot joseph selby and my Last name is an unusual spelling of Selby. It's S-E-L-B as in boy, I-E, rather than the usual S-E-L-B-Y. So S-E-L-B-I-E dot com. And there you can find about all my books. You can read some of the first chapters of all my books if you want to learn more about them. Uh, there's a lot of articles there that uh, you may be interested in. You can find me on Facebook, just Joseph Selby. Uh, I have an author page with more information there, a lot of um, posts about shows like yours. And the books are pretty much available in any e-tailer. Uh, they're all available in print, uh, Kindle, and in Audible formats. So, Well, that's good. Yeah. Is the, is the, when is your new one coming out? It's, uh, it's actually out uh, a week from today, uh, right. the 1st of September. And that's called the Breakthrough the Limits of the Brain, right? Correct. Yeah. I love how you put stuff in there about placebo as well. And, uh, and like I mentioned a little bit earlier, the superhuman kind of ability stuff and, uh, multiple personalities like you've got really some interesting examples in there too to back up sort of uh you know the theories about how how much potential we have just like the ancients have been doing for thousands yeah. of years stories are powerful they're much more powerful than just describing uh, some abstract possibility I'm, I'm always amazed you know that story about uh Lindbergh. i read that almost 50 years ago and it fascinated me then fascinates me now you know he was flying across the atlantic solo and the biggest danger he had was falling asleep you know if he fell asleep he would either crash into the ocean or go off course and never make it to 
uh, the continent and then crash into the sea. So he had to stay awake. And he concentrated so hard on the need to stay awake that he went into this superconscious state where he actually was aware uh, 360 degree and spherical. And he had unlimited energy, unlimited attention, flew the rest of the way to Europe uh, with ease, all by going into that superconscious state. And he put this in his, uh, his biography. And initially, the publisher wouldn't publish it. Ah, yeah. <laughs> it was just too unbelievable. They thought it would taint his you know, reputation as this great American hero. And it was only in later editions that it was put back in. Yeah, that's a great example. Just one of many. Yeah, this is great. This has been a great chat, Joseph. We appreciate you for coming on the show. And, of course, for all the books, we encourage our listeners to head to your website. Of course, if you look at that spelling, you can just check the show notes. Graham will have it in there. You just click that link. Over you go. And check all that stuff out. Um, yeah, when you have another book out, get in touch, and we'll have you on again, and we'll do this uh, another time. All right. Well, if you want to talk about the physics of God, it's already out. Just right a hint. Ooh. Just a Good hint. Stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> I like it. Well, thank yeah, you, guys. Thanks. This was a pleasure. Yeah, thanks, uh, Joseph. Talking with you both, and uh, thanks for having me. Right on, buddy. Take care. Thanks, Joseph. Have a good night. You too. And that was a chat with Joseph Selby. What'd you think, buddy? Yeah, that was good. Yeah, I was, I was going to ask him as well. There's a weird uh, part in his book about multiple personalities and uh, placebos. Did you know that if, if somebody's got multiple personalities, um, their eye color will change between personalities? All the time? I don't know. They can change their eye color. I don't know if it happens all the time, but I mean, there's some interesting I know some evidence people there. That. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, uh, yeah, I cheated yeah, and yeah, I actually, I know I looked at the calendar right before, so I kind of, I wasn't sure what I was getting into, but, uh, it was a nice, nice yeah, chat. Yeah, he's great. I mean, uh, yeah, it's just one of those, uh, I don't know. I just love that category of sort of science and spirituality. You know, I know people are pushing back on the new age stuff right now, but when you look at the evidence that these guys put in their books and the scientific research that's happened, that's even, uh, despite the lack of funding and the lack of acceptance in the mainstream paradigm, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty mind blowing. Totally. Big thanks to Joseph for coming on the show. Even big thanks to you guys, big, bigger thanks to you guys for listening and uh, uh, absolute top of the line. Thanks. If you're one of the few people who choose to support our work over here, over at grandamerica.ca slash support. If you guys can afford, you know, a buck a month, two bucks a month, 10 bucks a month, you decide. You can head over to grandamerica.ca slash support. You put that right in the thing. Bing. Keep us going. Monthlies are great. One-time donations are great. It all helps us keep going and growing. We're at episode, I think, 563 or 4, whatever this is, all for free. The whole back catalog's there. If you haven't gone through it, you should. Now, there's a couple you could probably skip, but uh, <laughs> I won't uh, I won't tell you which ones. Uh, there's some great gags in that back catalog, too. Anyway, I think, you know, head over to Adult Brain. Back when we used to have a lot of fun, eh? Yeah, yeah. Back when you actually used to come to the studio. <laughs> <laughs> the gags aren't as quite as good digitally, but I'll get you with something soon. Anyway, head over to grammarica.ca. On the menu, I'll have links for the audiobooks, the chats, the tours we have with great people like Randall Carlson and stuff like that, the books I wrote. 
Everything's there at GrandAmerica.ca. One spot, go to the menu, click on it, bang, away you go. Other than that, we love you guys. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week. Free thinkers, rage against the machine.